Welcome to the Fail Forward podcast. The purpose of this podcast is change the negative stigma around failure into a positive. Failure is only a negative if we do not learn from it and we give up. Welcome back to the Fail Forward podcast. My name is Henry Guyben and I've got the awesome Dr. Andrea Pennington with me today. So um, I met Dr. Andrea Pennington at Expert Empires and her story is so inspiring. So I just had to ask her when I met her to come on the Fail Forward podcast because I wanted to share with my viewers the story. So welcome, Andrea. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. Thanks. Okay, so um, let's go as far back as you need to share your journey of sort of where you, where you've been and 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 where you've are now. So yeah, if I let you start from the beginning. <laughs> well, I will share the relevant bits. Um, yes, I grew up um, in a somewhat dysfunctional family. Um, my parents got divorced when I was three, and there was a lot of trauma and drama in my childhood and teenage years. And that's only relevant because it set me up on a path of perfectionism. And I had a compulsive need to sort of prove myself and seek validation from others. My mother was a physician and an acupuncturist. And so I sort of wanted to follow in her footsteps. So I did, I became a physician. And that path brought me a lot of professional success and, it also led me to a point of burnout. And the burnout wasn't just because I was overworking. It was because I was not living in alignment with my authentic self, my heart and my soul. And that happened because of the other influence in my life, my father, and, and please audience know this, my parents and I are, are good. My mother has since passed. My father, he is you know, totally cool with me sharing these stories. Um, but my father who grew up very poor in, in America, he had this cultural programming and, and familial programming that said, the only way that you can be safe is to get an education and get a job, ideally with a pension. And he happens to be an incredible artist, painter, guitar player, banjo, photography, like incredible. And yet when I and my brothers wanted to do artistic things, he discouraged it heavily. And so I actually am an artist at my heart and my core. And when I started to do artistic things in theater and dance and music, it was really, really frowned upon unless I got good enough grades, then I could keep doing all of that stuff. When I got to medical school, I couldn't do all the artistic stuff. I had to focus because it was incredibly competitive. It was intense. And that was when things started to kind of wobble for me. Because when I was at university, I was doing professional and community theater. I was the general manager of our campus TV station. I was doing video programming. So I had all this creative stuff that kept me balanced through university while I was pre-med. I was a bio major and chemistry minor and almost got a double minor in theater. When I got to med school and I couldn't do all the artistic stuff, I started to suffer. I started to have symptoms of depression and anxiety, and it got worse when I became a physician because, again, I wasn't fully balanced. And as you heard me share on stage at Expert Empires, I part of my saving grace was I was hired and recruited by Discovery Channel. They had launched a, a TV network, the Discovery Health Channel, which has now become the Oprah Winfrey Network. And when I worked for Discovery, it allowed me again to balance 
the creativity by doing documentaries and TV and, and website content while being this medical expert and journalist. But it was over a sense of, I don't know, the first couple of years in, in being a media person that I realized that there was another aspect of me that wasn't being fully explored. And that is my spiritual self, the part of me that is interested in magic and mysticism and, and what lights people up, what, what promotes vitality and resilience in this life. And that's when I ended up in uh, serious depression because I was feeling like I was pulled in all these different directions, but none of it was aligned with my heart and soul. And for me, the, the failing forward moment was when I was willing to close my business so that I could truly live in alignment with who I really am. So that's, that's the backstory. <laughs> so when you were um, on the Discovery Channel uh, and you're going through those motions, was there, how were you feeling at that stage? You know, was, were you enjoying being on the TV? How was that aligned with what you were doing? Well, in the beginning, yes, I enjoyed it because I'm a performer. So I thought, okay, I'm a doctor playing a doctor on TV. But at that time, we were in Maryland, right in the DC area. It was a very conservative environment. And I was molded and shaped into a media broadcaster. They changed my hair and my makeup. They put me in these boxy suits. And yeah, at the, in the beginning, I thought it was kind of cool. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm playing a broadcaster. And sure. I didn't care. I mean, it, it, it was like a role until I started being recognized on the street. And I was like, oh, snap, these people think, which is so silly, right? Like, of course, it seems so obvious. But I was realizing that these people thought that I was this prude, know-it-all, buttoned-up, boring doctor. And I am so much more than that. <laughs> um, so that's over time. Plus, it also started to get boring. Uh, after doing the news for a couple of years, I had my own show, and we did two seasons of that. And it was just kind of the same old same. And, and that's that's part of why I didn't feel like fully fulfilled. Okay, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. So at what point when you were getting to this burnout and you were starting to realize things weren't working out, how did you notice that? What, what happened at that point when you really thought, okay, this is enough's enough? For me, it happened when I found myself waking up in the morning, dreading my day. I would wake up with a sense of dread and anxiety. And I figured, okay, here I have to go again. I have to put on this happy mask and go out and be shining and smiling on TV. And I was on stages at this point, representing the network all across North America, doing radio and magazines. And I think the biggest turning point for me was I shared with a friend, someone I thought was a friend, that I was feeling these low moods and feeling unfulfilled. And mind you, I had a multiple six-figure salary in my own business. I had already reached the 2 million mark. And this person looked at me like I was crazy. She said, you should be grateful. And I was grateful, but I was not fulfilled. I had everything that the society says should make me happy, the money, the car, the house, the expense account, the fame. But there was something inside of me that felt really, really wrong. And I realized then that I couldn't tell everyone how I was feeling. And I think going into hiding and then having to put on that mask every day and being fake, 
that was when I had really started to feel like this unrest, this angst, this irritability. And I think what made it worse was in my own medical practice, as an integrative physician, I was learning so much about this mind-body connection, about hormones and nutrition and mindfulness and meditation, like all these things that today we know impact health and recovery. But at that time, when I tried to bring those discoveries to the Discovery Health Channel, they were not ready for it. And so I felt like this is, this is doing a disservice to the viewing audience. Like the American public is watching me every day for my health news breaks and my shows. And I can't tell them all of this, you know, newsworthy stuff. And that's when I realized I was living out of integrity, out of integrity with my own heart, with my own soul. Not only was I not able to share the spiritual stuff, but I couldn't even share the factual stuff. And, and that's for me when I realized I couldn't go on like that. And unfortunately, when it comes to the business side, I had built a wellness center with my mother. I had 15 employees, doctors, therapists, massage people. I had a salon and spa, and they were all dependent on me because my brand image, what people saw on TV was what they wanted when they came to the wellness center. It didn't matter that I had hired all these amazing people. They wanted me. And so if I was out on a book tour or shooting, I shot a TV show in Malibu, like sales in my business would go down because people were like, no, 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 I'll come back when, when Dr. Andrea is there. And I realized like I was trapped. I felt like I had this, you know, albatross around my neck. Like I can't, I can't actually live my life the way I want to because you know, these people are depending on me. And that's, that's, those are the feelings that, that came up for me that where I knew I couldn't go on like that. So that's, um, I mean, it's very powerful that you've got to the point where you made the change because I'm sure there's lots and lots of people in the world that just carry on and carry on because, as you say, you had so much on your business, you were on TV, you had a lot of things like, you know, you had these negative comments and I see it all the time. People see things through social media and they think people are, oh, you've got the perfect life, so you should just be happy. But, right. but you know, you've got money, you've got this, you've got that. Um, and, you know, I think what's really powerful is, is that you've gone no okay this isn't aligned with me this is not working out for me and I want something different so I'd just like to try and explore that and um really ask you what it is that you think that that you know I we know why why you're feeling like that now but how did you then get yourself out of it you know how was that you know what were the steps because I think it's really powerful for my audience to understand that you know you can have a life and then change it yeah. Um, you know, so if we could just explore that, that'd be ace. Yeah. Well, there are two driving factors here. So if you've ever experienced burnout or depression or suicidality, then you kind of get to a rock bottom where you realize that there's nowhere else to go, but up. It's either out of this life or up. I had already made a commitment to life that I would not take my own life. So yes, I was having suicidal ideations, but earlier in my life, I'd already made a commitment to not do it. And so I had no choice in my, in my way of thinking, if I'm going to be in this life, then I had to make a change. The thing that pushed it over the edge, item number two, was I got pregnant. Okay. And seeing how my mother raised us, she was a single mom, 
an immigrant to the United States, a very busy physician with three kids. I didn't get a whole lot of attention and God bless her. She had her own wounds. So there wasn't like a whole lot of emotional connectivity. And that made me decide to parent differently. I wanted to be a different parent. And because I know that children model our behaviors, I knew that I didn't want to be living an inauthentic life, like being one person on TV and another person at home. So for me, it was like, if I'm going to bring a child into this world, I need to be happy, I need to be healthy, and I need to be living in, on, in authentic integrity. And so that was what prompted this decision to close the business and to be full-time mom for at least the first three years of my daughter's life. And so I stopped doing a lot of media. Um, I downsized everything in my life. I started traveling more, doing like high-end retreats. And I kept like my VIP high-end clients and, and just focused on being a mom. And ultimately, I had the confidence and courage to move to the south of France. And my daughter was just four and a half when we moved here. And that allowed me to just clean the slate and start all over, but from a base of authenticity. Wow, big move then, big, big move. But, Huge. <laughs> yeah, but certainly when you have children, and I say it to people that it's like your planets realign, don't they? And everything exactly. changes. And I definitely saw that when the business went under. I had my son who was uh, just born as it went under and uh, and I didn't spend a lot of time with him the first year and that made me really want to change. Yeah. And I think that's really valid. And, and you know, I yeah implore what you've done. So that's amazing. So... Um, at that point, moving to um, France, that's a really big move. And how did that feel? Did you have a sense of relief? How was that, you know, after uh, at that point? Yeah, I mean, it was more than relief. It was exuberance and joy. Yeah. What I've left out of this story is that in 2005, when I was at that rock bottom low emotionally and psychologically, despite being at an all-time high with my career and finances, I called out on God to help me. I literally was on vacation and said, I can't do it anymore. And asked God to take my life because I didn't want to go on. This was before my daughter. And I guess I should have said that there's, you know, three big keys to changing my life. Um, one was being at rock bottom and knowing that I could only go up. The second thing was actually my near-death experience. Because when I was here in the south of France and called on God to take my life, I was crying my eyes out. I just knew that I didn't want to go back to the life that was waiting for me. And I was pulled into the light. I thought God was taking my life. I went, had this full out-of-body experience, a total life review, and I got this understanding that all of the choices that I had made up to that point, from the time I was born until I was there at age 34, all of those choices, even though they weren't conscious, that I could have chosen differently. And I know it sounds kind of obvious, but for me, it was a real revelation. I was like, so if I can choose who I get to be, then okay, I'll go back. And as soon as I said yes to life, I saw a vision of, of my future. In this vision, I saw myself living in the South of France. I was walking hand in hand along the croisette with a child. And again, I was 34 and single at the time. So I was like, okay, how's that going to happen? And in this vision, I was singing professionally and I was healing with my hands. 
And I'm like, okay, God, really? You're going to make me like a weirdo woo-woo doctor? (laughs) But everything about that vision looked so amazing and felt so good that I said yes. And that's when I came back into my body. And it took me a couple of years to actually leave the United States, but I was pregnant with my daughter just a few months after I had that vision. And so for me, coming to the South of France was just like, this is my destiny. I had already seen it. I had already seen this vision and the relief and the joy and the sense of aligned purpose was just amazing. Wow, that's very powerful. And you had that vision. Uh, and it, something you said in there is that, you know, you, you, you unconsciously having these, deci- these, these decisions to get you to where you are. And actually, you know, it was right in front of you. But sometimes I had this conversation with someone earlier that sometimes the things that are right in front of you aren't the most obvious. Um, and it's amazing that you had that moment and you could see that. And, you know, sometimes you know, you've, you, we have these visions and, and then we make them happen. Right. So that's so powerful. And thank you for sharing this. This is amazing. Um, so at this point now that you've moved to the South of France and, um, you're changing your life, what's the, what were the next steps? How did that go from there? Well, in the beginning, I continued to fly back and forth to the U S doing some TV stuff. Um, cause a lot of my, my, income was driven by the US market. But over time, I started doing consulting in Monte Carlo and the French Riviera. And I was helping people who were saying like, how did you do it? How'd you get on TV? How did you you know, do all of these things, writing books? So I just started a little consulting practice. And through that, ended up networking, meeting some amazing people who invited me to speak in Iceland and then in the UK, and then in Denmark. And from there, I grew um, a a branding, marketing, and publishing agency that I launched in 2015. And since then, I've I've helped publish hundreds of authors and and inspired thousands of people to like shift careers, to do TED Talks. I've now done three TED Talks. and, And so it all started very organically. I was just leveraging the talents and skills that I had after, I mean, at this point now, I've been in professional media for 22 years. And after Discovery, and I'd been on Oprah a couple of times and all of the other major networks, um, you know, there's nobody on this side of the pond who has my background and experience. And so it was very easy to leverage those skills with other healers and coaches that wanted to do the same thing. And I didn't intend for it to become like a big business. well, I would say it's a modest sized business, the, the, the publishing agency, it's called Make Your Mark Global. And, and we are very niched. We only focus on transformational coaches and healers, uh, shamans, you know, psychedelic practitioners, really focused in that sort of spiritual and psychological niche. And then it, it, it allowed me to start doing speaking again, but speaking as the real me, like sharing my whole story, including all of this out-of-body, near-death experience, and, and now sharing my experience um, with psychedelics, which have been a huge part of, of healing from the early childhood trauma and, and now helping other people through their journeys. But um, it's, it's grown very organically. Love that. And I think if it's grown organically like that, then you're giving great amount of value. And um, so do you feel like you're now living your true self and your true purpose? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the last decade or so, 
that's that's been my truth and it just keeps the, the volume keeps getting turned up louder like i feel like i'm living more and more of of like the fire and the truth and the power that i came to this planet to embody and you know i'll be honest there was a lot of cultural societal and familial programming that i had to unravel and unlearn and it took a lot of healing actually because on the outside everything looked all shiny and 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 almost perfect you know i was a very very driven perfectionist and when you start to peel back the layers and for me getting down to my inner child or inner children my inner teenager like there were so many wounding periods in my childhood and 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 teenage years that i had to do repairs so like let me make it practical for you for example in the midst of the pandemic, I was seeing a lot of people in burnout. And thank God for the pandemic because it forced a lot of people to stop working so hard and they were actually discovering that they were in burnout. Now, I, as a physician in my early career, was working with people who were um, struggling with addiction and eating disorders. And if you wanna see what burnout really looks like, just take someone who's withdrawing from cocaine or heroin or alcohol. That is a physiologic system in burnout. So I became an expert in burnout recovery as an addiction recovery specialist. So here we are in the pandemic, people are like having all of these struggles. So I just started educating people and created some programs, ended up, um, launching a nutritional supplement line to help people recover their adrenals, their brain neurochemistry and all of that. And I'm telling you all of this to say that what I was starting to pick up on is like, okay, there's, there's some potential here to really take this big, like maybe an app or really take the, the nutritional supplement line to the next level. So I sat down with a couple of lovely people from Wales and England who were giving me financial advice. And I was like, okay, we're gonna do this. Like I have this dream and this vision, I have support. And then one of the people that I was presenting to, I was doing a like a pitch presentation. The guy kind of looked at me and he was like, what's up with these numbers? Your numbers are low, mate. And there was something that just trembled inside of me because I know that just nutritional supplements alone, that's a nine figure business. And I knew exactly what he was talking about because in my spreadsheet, I, I created a business case that would be a wonderful ROI, but I was lowballing it. And the, the, the chord that was struck within me was, there's some under earning behavior going on here. There's some underplaying that has its roots in my psychology. And so, took a step back and really went in to understand the programming that I inherited from my mother and my father and how that had just been blocked within me. There was a part of me that had these fears around earning past a certain level. And it wasn't until I really addressed that and could heal this inner child and disavow that part of me of these false beliefs that I could get back on track towards well, towards where I'm going today, which is building an epic global transformational wellness business with media and supplements and other products and a documentary film 
So I'm, I'm definitely unleashed and living so much more of my authentic self because of the healing that I've done and psychedelics have been a big part of that. I think you and I talked a little bit about that in London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been a game changer for me. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I love that you are suddenly aware of that and noticing that moment and going, okay, I'm playing low ball because I very much feel like I hit ceilings a lot and sometimes I don't know how and how to go around it and what to do. So at that point of, of having that awareness, what was the process after that to try and unwind all of that? Well, I started doing exactly what I did for my patients with addiction, like literally. So that involves a five-step holistic framework that I developed when I was treating binge eating disorder and addiction. It's called the cornerstone process. It very, very nicely dovetails with 12-step work. So Alcoholics Anonymous, there's also Under Earners Anonymous, there's all sorts of 12-step programs that help you get at these roots causes. In my medical and, and psychological practice, I've developed a system to help people identify on their timeline in their life where these wounds originally started. And then we go in through meditation. It could also be with breath work. It could be with psychedelics if needed, but we basically contact that inner child and start doing this work of healing and, and reprogramming. Because I find that a lot of people will try all these other externally focused tactics, confidence building. But if there's a part of you that doesn't believe you're worth it or believes you're going to screw it up or is afraid that if you get too big, what that's going to mean, then that part will somehow sabotage you. And like you said, you'll get to a ceiling and you won't be able to figure it out because you're looking at externally or looking at your tactics. And I feel like we have to, for many of us, for many of my clients anyway, We've got to go in and do this inner work. Absolutely love that. And I love that. I just love your awareness that you saw that. And now, and so now you're back on, you've, that you've dealt with that. And now you're back on the path of creating it on the, on a bigger number, right? Yes. And that's allowed me to also change my approach because, well, there's multiple parts of me. There's a part of me that recognizes that my brain and the way that I think and the way I assimilate information, I'm a journalist, I'm an editor, I'm a writer, and I love feeding that back to the public so that people are aware and conscious. But I also found that people love free information, but they don't necessarily change their lives based on free information. Mm -hmm. And so I also re realized that I needed to raise my prices for what I was doing. Like, for example, I was so, so undercharging because I'm like, oh, it's Europe and people don't pay as high as the US. And so I was undercharging. And I remember talking to a client of mine who said just outright, she said, I would not have gotten this six figure deal if it weren't for you. And it hit me. It was like, wow, charging just a few hundred bucks per session. I helped this woman in very few sessions get this six-figure contract that's just the start. She's also going on to create a, a, probably a multi-million dollar app. And it just, it started to, to really work my mind. Like I'm doing myself a disservice as well as my potential clients. Like it doesn't, it doesn't suit me or suit them to keep lowballing and doing these little offers that, that are going to drain my energy and probably not even get people results because it's a different clientele that you attract based on your price point you know 
Yeah, absolutely love that. And you're right, free information. A lot of people want to lap it up, but then do they use it? I mean, I did a webinar on Monday night, a free webinar. Um, 90 people registered and 46 turned up. It's free. You know, there's no commitment there. So, um, you know, I love the, your awareness with that. But that's actually not bad. I mean, no, that's greater than 50%. I don't yeah. know what you were selling, <laughs> so I don't know if there was any conversions, but... That's a pretty good show rate. It went down to six. It was it was for tree surgery. Uh, I'm a tree surgeon, uh, and it was for tree surgery business owners. And it went actually got six people interested in the end product, which was a mastermind. So so it wasn't too bad. But yeah, it, that was my first webinar, and it was the first time I realised when you put something free out there that not everyone's going to turn up. And you know, as you say, free. You need to get commitment from people because it's not only the commitment of of them to you; it's to them to themselves to yes. to make sure that they they get the ROI on on the, with the commitment and what they're putting in. So yeah, I absolutely love your awareness of that. So with you touched on it slightly about the burnout and I'm sure a lot of my listeners will just relate to this and getting burnout. Have you got any um tips you can give us just to try and avoid it or or things to do when they you feel like you're in the middle of burnout? Well, the first thing is especially as a business owner, you know, we have insurance for possessions, for a business, for malpractice, but very few people have burnout insurance. And that's basically self-care. So the number one thing is to really look at how you're spending your time. Are you building in breaks and rest periods that can be on a daily basis or a weekly basis, a quarterly basis, or a yearly basis? Most of the entrepreneurs that I work with are so passionate and so driven that it's a perfect recipe for burnout. So burnout from a medical perspective is a condition where you've got physical fatigue, emotional exhaustion, and a sense of apathy or a disconnection. So all the passion that you had in the beginnings, you start to feel like just less interested and less committed. And you don't wanna wait till you get to that point. So the ideal thing is to make sure that you're building in breaks. You know, we, we kind of function on a 90 day year. So we, we, we work on quarterly projects and then we break them down oftentimes into a two week sprint. But I always program time off when I'm going to another country to speak on stage. I buffer in on my schedule time off. If I'm going to be on a marathon of podcasting or a bunch of interviews, I buffer time off. For me, I almost experienced burnout in 2018 because I was flying all around the world. I was hitting usually two countries a month for the entire year of 2018. And when, and when I got back, I had to launch a product craziness. And I, I recognized the signs, like I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling irritable. I'm feeling a little bit apathetic. I'm like, these are the signs of early burnout. And so what I did, and I suggest this to all of my entrepreneurs, if you're bold enough, I programmed my Google calendar to have Friday as wellness day. I do not see clients. I do not do interviews. It is wellness day. That means I can walk on the beach. I can get a massage. I can do nothing. I can Netflix and chill if I want. It's my day. I also, for me, I have a, a child. So weekends are family time or creativity time. Sometimes my daughter wants to be off doing something so I can do creative stuff. That can be music. It could be playing with graphics because that's actually fun for me, but it's not work. And then Monday, I find that my mind is like so brimming with ideas because I've had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of no work that by Monday, I'm like, I'm not going to give away all of this creative energy to other people. Monday is my writing day. 
I get to write, I get to map out storyboard. I get to take all of that creative energy and put it into something. And then I only work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I only work or see clients after 2 p.m. You know this because you scheduled using my calendar. <laughs> the time slots are very narrow. And why did I do this? What I noticed when I was working for Lux TV, I used to do these reports on luxury and lifestyle and health stuff. And it was like 10 in the morning. And there came a moment where I realized at the in the afternoon, it was like, I don't have the same energy to go and do my videos. I've just done videos for th this TV network. And it hit me. If I would give the same energy that I gave to Lux TV, if I gave that to my own business, how much could I be thriving? And so I decided from this point forward, I'm not going to see clients or do interviews or be giving to others until I've given to myself. So from 5 a.m. to noon is me time. It's time for yoga, meditation, breath work, journaling. I can go out to the beach if I want to. Then I have time for my breakfast at a chill pace. And then I see clients at one or two in the afternoon, or I do interviews and such. And people will often think like, oh my God, that's just a three-day work week and you're only working four hours. You know, some evenings I, I host webinars and things. But my productivity, this is now three years going, has skyrocketed. So in the last few years, I've published 15 books. I've helped other people publish their books and doing TED Talks and podcasts. Having that insurance that my cup will be filled means that from the overflow, I have so much more to give to my clients, to my family, to the internet. And it's working. It's working for my clients who've embraced it as well. Absolutely love that. That's some great tips there. I mean, this morning I felt a bit overwhelmed. Um, I've got a lot going on, feeling very much like I'm on the way to burnout. And I did the same. I said to my wife, right, I'm having Friday off. We're going to go and do something with my boy. We're going to go and nice. play golf in the morning and then go out. Uh, and I need to do that more because yes. you're right. Sometimes I'm just working from the morning to the evening, you know, see the kids, put the kids to bed, then working through. So it's definitely not seeing those telltale signs. And you're right, yeah. like seeing that and going, okay, understanding when you're feeling like you're on, going to burn out, like you said you were in 2018. And actually, I love the movement now of of, of trying to get people to work a four-day week in, in corporate businesses. Yeah. It's really, you know, people are the new age. It's not everyone sat at a desk 24-7. It's working from home. It's giving people flexible work hours. And then the productivity is getting higher. So, um, yeah. yeah I and, there, you know, there's the other piece of it is what are you doing with that, that extra time? So if we prioritize getting into activities that bring us that sense of flow where we lose our all sense of time and self-awareness. We can be in the flow. That could be with music. It could be with playing with your kids. It could be gardening. It could be playing golf. Whatever we do that gets us into that flow state, there was this great McKinsey study that said that executives that found themselves getting into the flow state were 500 times more productive than their counterparts. Like that is astronomical. And that's exactly what I noticed with me. When I take care of myself, when I get to do the yoga and the jogging without this pressure of rushing, I get into that flow state. And I know what that does for my, my brain chemistry and my neurons. And so by the time I sit down to do anything, I am so much more productive. Absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. I mean, that's an amazing stat. 
that is really um, crazy. And the productivity there, wow. I mean, I think I need some of that productivity, so I need to start finding my flow state more. So um, what does failure mean to you and fail forward? Well, I've... I've really changed over the years. I feel like failure and failing forward is just a necessary part of life. You know, if we look back to each of us as babies, that's what we did. We tried to walk, we failed. And we got back up and we did it again. And soon we were not only walking, we were jumping, we were running, we were skipping, we were hopping. And some of us have been athletes. So it's a part of the human experience to make mistakes, to get back up. And, and learn from those mistakes and move forward. And for me, one of the, the areas of expertise in my professional world is post-traumatic growth. So when we experience adversity or stress or loss, it could be burnout, it could be a breakdown, it could be challenge, it could be betrayal or bankruptcy, divorce. When, whenever we experience some adversity, God willing, you'll be able to use your resources to come back to baseline. That's called resilience, the ability to bounce back after adversity. But there are many of us that can learn the lessons from our quote unquote failures or our mistakes, our wounds, and use that as fuel to bounce forward with post-traumatic growth instead of PTSD. And and that's what I, I would say, like really focusing on gleaning the messages and the meaning and the lessons from your mistakes. And rather than taking it all personally and getting into victim mentality, just learn. And and I think the other part of that is we often look at business failure with greater stakes. But if you just looked at failure or mistakes, like you spilling milk when you were a toddler, if you just looked at it with that same mindset, you'd be like, yeah, it's kind of annoying when your kid spills something, you know, but you clean it up, you pick it up and you move on. And that's what we can do as adults as well. We don't have to carry the shame and this victim mentality just because we screwed up. Just use it as fuel and bounce forward. Absolutely love that. That is fantastic. That's such a good answer. And you're right. There's all these lots of little mini failures that we do through life. And I think it's they get swept under the carpet quite a lot and and then build up in your mind and I think my biggest failure my business going under was a compound of lots of little mistakes along the way and I wasn't really failing forward I was just putting it to one side so thank you so it's been amazing having you on today it's been your journey is so inspiring and just what you're doing now has been fantastic um how can people get hold of you if they want to work with you what's the best way to communicate and contact you You can check me out on social media at Dr. Andrea Pennington or visit my website, andreapennington.com. I have about three other websites, depending on if you need psychedelic support, that's innate vitality. If you want branding, media, all that other stuff, that's makeyourmarkglobal.com. But start off with Andrea Pennington, my name, you'll find me. Amazing. And have you got any final words for the listeners? I would say this, like you obviously had a dream or a vision that inspired you to get into business, to launch whatever it is you're you're doing. And I firmly believe that when we have these inspirations, these downloads, I believe they come from a divine place. God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, that divine spark means that there's an audience waiting for you to bring that thing to the market. And even though you may make mistakes, you might not be seeing the results that you want as fast as you want. Like 
return to that dream, trust in the vision, trust in your soul, because you've been in, entrusted, you've been given this vision and this dream for a worthy purpose. So hold on to that. Wow. Amazing. Absolutely love that. And thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. You. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And thank you for everyone listening today. Um, the next episode will be coming up soon. Um, just remember failure is only a negative if you do not learn from it. Do not fear failure. Live your goals and dreams. Thank you, everyone.